Saturday Night Live with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey is over, but we're just getting started here on the SNL Post Show Recap here on PostShowRecap.com. And now here are the two guys who have no intentions to meet their second wives. I'm Rob <laughs> Sussner. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am good. Happy holidays, Mr. C. Happy holidays uh, to you as well. Final SNL of 2015. Here we are to close it out. It was a fun one with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And we will get into everything here today on our SNL recap. Rich, real quick, big picture. Did this live up to expectations for you? You know, this is what's so interesting about uh, SNL is so much of the comedy is informed by expectations going in. So I would say for me, while there were a few highlights, it did not live up at the expectations for me. uh, And I found myself being disappointed. Interestingly, going back and watching it a second time, it was like, well, that was good. Well, that was good. Well, that was good. Well, that was good. And I'm realizing had I come in with no expectations, this was a very solid episode. But I would be lying if I said that at 1.05 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning, I was not going, eh, okay, uh, which is, has everything to do with expectations. And also, I think, you know, it's part of, I think, you know, the key of, of making this show is sort of understanding the audience's expectations coming into it. So as we'll talk about certain sketches, I do think certain sketches on their own worked well, but if the if the producers had thought about what the audience's expectations was going to be, they might have approached it differently and, and, and delivered in a different way. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I feel very similar about this episode where it was definitely a good episode. I think we were expecting a great or maybe all-time episode, and that's where you set yourself up for trouble. Yep. Yep. Especially when you get to the to the issue of cameos, which we will talk about broadly here. Um, you know that, you know, when you have an alumni, traditionally these days, you often get a good number of cameos, especially at a Christmas episode. So while it's no fault, the, you know, for anyone uh, for not having a lot of people show up up until very late in the show, post update, we don't have a single cameo from an alumni, which really sets a weird tone, but that doesn't make the show bad. It's just under delivering on my expectations. Okay. So we'll talk about all that. Plus we'll get into everything with Bruce Springsteen and the E street band. Of course, if you want to subscribe to uh, the podcast and make sure you don't miss any of our SNL recaps in 2016, you can subscribe at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or for SNL only go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Rich, the cold open was back to the debates where we saw the Democratic debates twice so far in season 41. This is the first time I believe we see the Republican debates. Yeah, this was a, you know, an interesting, you know, first up, it is weird to see new guy John Rudnitsky, who did a um, less than stellar Anderson Cooper just a few weeks ago. Controversial uh, Anderson Cooper. Yeah, come back to do a, I would say, even less stellar uh wolf blitzer and uh, you know you know you looking at the cast and you're going well they're just out of guys unless keenan's going to do a black overweight wolf blitzer we're out of males to to you know to take this role uh so he started off a little bit weak uh but again also interesting is we have sort of as we've talked about before impression dominoes you know and you wonder did it start with Let's have Daryl Hammond do Trump because he's so good. And then everything cascades down. Or as we talked about last week's episode, did it start with we need Bobby to play Chris Christie. So then Taryn's got to step into the Ted Cruz, which means we need to bring Daryl Hammond in to play Donald Trump. Um, either way, it is weird. Very rarely in SNL do we have this kind of like, oh, as a show, we have not landed on who's doing this famous person. And we now have it with two major political figures, which I think is a little disconcerting for me. Well, which do you think it was? Because I think it can't possibly be the second thing where it's like, okay, Bobby Moynihan is doing Chris Christie and Karen does such a great Ted Cruz that we have to have him stop being the person who's probably the most iconic figure in pop culture and have him move him off of Donald Trump to be so he could be Ted Cruz because his Ted Cruz is so sensational. You know, I actually think that is what it was, though, because I do think that while I think you really do have that weird thing uh, about, uh, you know, that that the, you know, Donald Trump, that while I, I think some of us here are really liking uh, Taryn's Donald Trump because you've had 
Daryl come back and play Trump. And it's like, oh, that's right. That's a really fun impression. I think that they're a little split about where the audience is. And the truth is, if you don't have Taron do Ted Cruz, you look at your bench and go, well, are you going to sort of put Kyle Mooney in, which might be an interesting idea? Uh, I wonder sort of where that goes. I, I'll be interested. I, I'm not sure. I, I also think it's got to be weird from the production of the show to go generally in something like this as as Lorne or, or the senior staff. You're thinking, OK, who is likely going to be the Republican candidate after the primaries? Because that's going to affect the show and the lineup so much. Um, and that's what's weird to me is that, you know, I'm not sure who who they think is going to be the person uh, that they're sort of putting all their horses, their, their eggs in that basket. See, I'm wondering if they feel like that Daryl Hammond is so good as Trump and he was so funny in this sketch as Trump. He did such a great job. And while Taryn is, is very good, I wouldn't say that Trump is by far his best character or his best impression, but Daryl Hammond does it so good. And it really does feel right when it's Daryl Hammond. Based on all of the jokes we hear on SNL, whatever whatever political leanings uh, that I have, it seems like the show, even from the joke they gave you tonight of where Jeb says to Trump, well, you're not going to win. And Trump says basically like, uh, duh, idiot. Don't you get it? None of us are. Does SNL feel like that Trump is one and done in 2016, will lose to Hillary and will have Daryl Hammond around for the year? And go the distance with Daryl Hammond as Trump. You know, it's a great question. I think that, it, well, I'll say this. If I were Lorne and I was thinking that Donald Trump is going to win the primary and be the person, at that point, I would go all in on Taron Killam. Even though I love Daryl Hammond's impression, you, I think you back the cast member, not the alumni in that situation. If you think that eventually, by the time we get to the primary, Trump is going to burn out like a star and suddenly it's the Jeb Bush show maybe the Ted Cruz show, which seems odd to me, but not getting into politics, then I think this makes a lot of sense. So I don't know what he's thinking. At least I know that's what I would probably do. But if they're thinking that Trump will win the nomination, but ultimately lose. So it's not like an eight year commitment you're making where it's like they felt like that. Okay, well, Trump's probably going to be the next president. I see that you would go with with Taryn Killam because you feel like Daryl Hammond's not going to be doing this for eight years. But if it's just basically like an 11 month commitment at this point to Daryl Hammond and Trump, couldn't you see the show going in that direction? Sure. I mean, it, again, it would it would be a big commitment that for a, a pretty much a solid year, you've now got Daryl Hammond as effectively cast member emeritus. It's not without precedent. Absolutely. And he so, could yeah. also be Clinton uh, for the Hillary stuff. Also. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, having get a him lot of use out of him. Yeah. Yeah. No, this I mean, no matter how you slice it, this is a great time to be Daryl Hammond. You know, who knew when he signed up to be producer that we were going to get this. So uh, smart move with him all around. Okay, so that sort of meta stuff aside, and of course, we'll follow it all through next year. Let's talk about this actual sketch, which I think have had a lot of uh, funny impressions. Uh, Is this the first time we see Beck Bennett as Jeb? Yes. And I think that this was a very well, you know, and it's funny, I didn't have time to look it up. What's interesting is this was either the first time we're seeing him as Jeb or more likely this is the first time we're seeing the show lock into the character of Jeb Bush going forward. The character of Jeb Bush is going to be the whiny crybaby kid who's trying to stand up to a bully. Brilliant. How accurate is it? Who cares? It's a character that I can get my head around. Beck does a very good job. Even just sort of the physicality between him and and Daryl Hamden was very good. So I thought that this was like, I thought this was in a way really coming to life. You know, you're sort of kicking this off when you've got, you know, when you've got Chris Christie up there and Bobby Moynihan starts up by going, Baba Booey. It was just like, okay, beautiful way to kick into this. Uh, So I felt like a lot. And even by the way, the Carly Farina, impression speaking of someone we're not going to see much of i thought was really good i thought i mean as far as a character goes i thought that uh cecily strong brought a lot to the table on this i thought that a lot of these pieces was really funny all right so we also had uh in addition to that we had the uh, first appearance i believe of the pete davidson marco rubio what did you think of that 
I thought maybe he's done him before. I, I could be wrong, but I thought we've seen this before. Um, you know, maybe, I'd say probably, maybe. probably the least compelling piece, more of the writing, uh, but fun. I mean, everything here was fun. Even the Rand Paul, which was sort of a throwaway, was one of my funnier lines when uh, when Wolf Blitzer says, I'm sorry, we're not taking questions from the audience yet. And he's like, no, 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 I'm one of the candidates. Uh, you know, and I will say again, broadly, I thought that everything about this sketch was really good. The second time I watched it, because the first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, this is exactly what all of us SNL fans thought. Republican, you know, debate, a lot of Republican candidates. Here comes Sarah Palin to blow the doors off the roof. We're going to get a nice alumni impression, a great callback. It's going to be so fun. And when that, when I realized that isn't happening, I was definitely let down by the sketch, even though there was a lot of funny in watching it a second time. I thought it was really funny, but I do think that it was a mistake on of the producers to put the Sarah Palin impression later and not have it here. I think if you had Sarah Palin close this piece out, this would have been one of the viral videos of the week that everyone would have been watching the way that the Bernie Sanders was when you had him in the cold open with Larry David. Yeah, I like that because I feel like that to shoehorn Sarah Palin into the Hillary's sketch, I did feel like was a was a little bit like square peg uh, round hole, but that would have been funny to uh, get her in there. I wasn't even thinking of that at the time, but I do like that suggestion. Yeah, I think we sort of missed. And the last thing I'll say about this, and you know, I love Daryl Hammond. So, but, uh, you know, there are certain things that I take very seriously. And one of them is his live from New York. It's Saturday night. He delivered with all of the Daryl Hammond gusto and excitement that he sleeps through the clo- the opening credits. And it was a live from New York. It's Saturday night. Well, he did it in the Trump impression. He did. And, and, you know, there's, and it just, that drives me crazy. And I understand there's no rules, but newsflash, there are the rich rules and the rich rules of, of fandom says you abandon the character and you go to 11 with it or in character, you go to 11, but to just kind of like, yeah, live from New York Saturday night. It was just such a low energy end to such a big sketch that, I mean, absolutely made the credits seem plausible. Cause then we're with, A.D. Bryan and Vanessa. <laughs> it was a smooth transition. <laughs> Whoo, boy. So uh, not a great way to go into the opening credits. One last thing on the Daryl Hammond uh, Trump of it all. So is it possible? I was looking at it where it's an alumni show. Cameos are abound, possibly. Were they looking at Daryl Hammond coming in and doing Trump as a cameo appearance for for Daryl Hammond? And it's a different set of rules than a normal week of SNL. It could be. But because we've already seen him do Trump this season, it doesn't it didn't feel that way to me. But you're right. Maybe they were thinking that like, oh, let's bring him back because it's going to be sort of. But then I was ironically turned out to be not a a cameo uh, laden episode. So go on the record here. The next time we see Trump on SNL in 2016, it's Daryl Hammond or it's Taron Killam. I think it is. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on really who I think it. I'm sorry. I think it is Daryl Hammond. I think unless you know, what will be interesting is the next time we do a sketch, uh, a Republican sketch that doesn't involve Chris Christie, you know, you know, or doesn't involve Ted Cruz. Who do they plug into it? I would say at this point, I hope that we just err on the side of consistency at this point. Let's go with Daryl Hammond. He's great. We love him. It's great to have him back. And let's ride him out for the rest of the year. Okay. here's a question from Bryce in the chat wants to know, does Beck's Jeb impression mean that we finally will see him in more than just pre-recorded sketches? Do you think that this is going to be the beginning of something with the Jeb Bush Beck Bennett? Oh, I absolutely think so. I think especially because the character worked so well and I think the audience reaction was really nice. And I think I'm not going to get into politics, nor should I be the voice of politics. But I think despite how low Jeb is polling, I'm not ruling him out down the road as someone we could see uh, being uh, a big part of a, of a of the electoral process going forward. So I I think this could be really good for Beck Bennett. And again, if he had had this character and had kind of just kind of given us a solid single, no one would be, no, it it wouldn't matter. But because he did such a nice job here, I think we definitely will see more of him here. All right, let's get into the monologue. And here come Tina and Amy, and they're going to sing a Christmas duet, which is part fun pop and part 
sort of serious hymnal. Yeah, I mean, interesting that, you know, you really needed to notice in the pre-song monologue when Tina's talking about how things you don't know about me, one of them is I'm deeply religious, uh, that that is not only just a weird throwaway joke, but it is actually the premise for the next two and a half minutes of comedy, like, because obviously Tina has never come off as religious or never in any previous character or Weekend Update monologue played that. So it's a weird like we're throwing out a wacky piece of information and then okay now we're gonna do that as okay she's as marcus correcting me in the chair i'm dangerously religious uh I, I don't know that this necessarily worked for me. Uh, it was an, a decent enough setup, but we basically then just started hitting the same thing over and over again. We didn't build, we didn't grow, we didn't turn. We just kind of just sort of played this out a, a number of times. Yeah, I agree. I think this was kind of a letdown for a Tina Fey, Amy Poehler reunion monologue on the show. I mean, I feel like that this was like an average, any guest host could come on and do this sort of musical number and for them to come back and do it, I think we were expecting more. At least a cameo. I mean, that's you really would have thought, here's where Jimmy Fallon shows up. Here's a, you know, here's a Seth Meyers a walk on or something. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely felt like a, a somewhat of a letdown just in general. So it was fine. They were great. I felt like you could even tell the backup singers, which are obviously some of the most senior members of the cast, were really just like, Okay, I'm here and, you know, and and really not uh, jumping in and having a lot of fun with it. Okay. anything else from the monologue? Uh, No, I think I liked the beginning when they were both talking together at the same time. I thought they did a nice job with that. Other than that, you know, was good for what it was. Are you pumped up for this sisters movie? You're going to go see it. Uh, So the next sketch is. (laughs) um, hmm. I'm sure it's funny. I just feel like that this is not a movie that I would go and see in the theater. This seems like a uh, like a Netflix special. Yeah. And it, uh, having seen the tra- I remember seeing the trailer the first time and just loving everyone in it, uh, including Ike Barinholtz, who I think is hilarious, uh, but just not laughing at any joke in the trailer. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm concerned about that. And it seems like Rotten Tomatoes uh, bore out my initial concern. All right. So the first live sketch after the monologue is called uh, I'm sorry, uh, is the uh, Hillary of Christmas past. And uh, we had mentioned last week on the show about maybe could we see the Amy Poehler uh, Hillary show up for something. Uh, We weren't sure if it was going to be if we needed the real Hillary for that. But they end up uh, working out a scene where current Hillary goes to bed and is visited by past Hillary. We didn't really get sort of a. Uh, plot device of how this happened. It just sort of started happening. Yeah, I think uh, in some of the sketches we'll talk about tonight, what I liked is very clear premise that we don't necessarily need to explain. So uh, here we don't know why she's being visited, what the theory is. Um, You know, I will say you were very generous in your comments about this. I will say you predicted that we would see Hillary. I was the one who said, no, I don't think we'll see Hillary without the real Hillary. And 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 I bring it up uh, not just to, to compliment you, but to say, I think the reason I didn't think they would is I think often when you have like with the Trumps, when you see the two different impressions back to back, it the audience starts to compare them, which really takes you out of the moment. And I didn't think they'd want to do that to to um, to um, Kate McKinnon. But what was so good about the first half of the sketch is they actually leaned into it instead of avoiding it, that it was basically it wasn't just here's two different actresses playing Hillary Clinton. It was here's Hillary Clinton in 2008 and here's Hillary Clinton in 2015 and they discussed the changes of the character not of the portrayals and i thought there was a lot of funny here in 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 talking about how they're different how her hair is different because the people told her to and the laugh is different because she's seen a lot and and a lot of so i thought talking about the sketch up until sarah palin showing up i thought this was great great chemistry between between the two uh, and so fun to see the evolution of hillary from the i want you to like me self-conscious Hillary to the I'm unbelievably self-assured and I'm I'm determined to win at all costs Hillary really real fun 
Yeah, I did think this was a lot of fun as well. I liked where she was uh, slipping into her pajamas, which was a pretty much the same thing uh, that she was wearing. Were you looking for Bill Clinton to show up as Hillary prepares for bed? I know I didn't even think. I mean, I think once I saw once I saw Kate as Hillary Clinton, I knew we were going to get uh, we were going to get her as because, again, you know that the guest host is going to be in this sketch. And so it was and I was like, OK, Rob was right. Maybe I'll be right, too. And we'll get a, a, the real walk on. But I knew where we were going with this. OK, so let's talk about the Tina, the Tina Fey, Sarah Palin thing. Uh, Mickey James says uh, in the chat, is it just me or did Tina Sarah feel out of place here? Yeah, I agree with Mickey. I, I thought it really did. It was funny. And there were a lot of very funny lines here. And, and, and it's a great performance and a great character. But I feel like by putting her with the old Hillary, meaning uh, meaning uh, uh, Amy Poehler, it felt dated to me as opposed to her walking out and taking a podium at the 2015 Republican convention, which would have been, again, an allusion to last week's, you know, George Bush thing, but would have felt so much more current. And then a lot of the jokes here felt a little, I don't want to say dated, but they felt a little old to me. And 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 I was enjoying the chemistry of the two Hillary so much. I feel like that was the sketch. You could have ridden that out, maybe thrown in a Bill Clinton or something and get out. I feel like this was probably sort of a miss for me. Um, that being said, I loved when she talked about Hillary and said, oh, I thought things were so bad that after you lost, you had to become a secretary. I thought that mm. was really funny. A couple of the runs she did was cute, um, but it, it, it really felt like two separate sketches, sort of like that old French scene uh, a motif. I thought I thought it didn't sort of work here. It could have worked. It would have worked better somewhere else. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with your note on that. We should have used her earlier on because he did feel like she sucked some of the air out of the Hillary with Hillary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that said, watching it a second time, like, again, once expectations have been met or, you know, once I know what's coming and I'm just watching it again as a sketch, it was definitely a funny sketch. This was a good, solid sketch. I just I think expectations set up. uh, It could have been done differently. What do you think about the ending of the sketch? I thought it was a little wonky that they basically they is like, we don't have it out now. We'll just dance to some rap music. Yeah, agreed. It was sort of a, a complete throwaway. Again, I'm glad we didn't start building another whole piece just to then get to a button. But uh, it was definitely sort of a throwaway. Like, you know what we always do, which it was sort of a weird. We've already established that Hillary and Sarah don't even know each other in this world. So what would they all? It just sort of didn't work for me. But it was fine. It's just sort of got us out. Did you think we were going to be doing some sort of like uh, Charles Dickens Christmas story with the Hillary of uh, the Hillary of Hillary past? Well, yeah, once I mean, once we saw the first Hillary, I did wonder, oh, are we going to get a real cameo here? Because I'm expecting two more Hillary's. So, you know, and how would that work? And even with Sarah Palin, before it went on too long, I thought, boy, if the second ghost to show up is Sarah, who's the third? How do you top you know, the Sarah Palin callback from years ago. And then obviously they didn't. They obviously just abandoned the premise. So I I was waiting for more. Definitely. Okay. I wonder if maybe in the writer's room, it started as that. And they sort of just like consolidated it down to, you know, just the what was what was working in it. All right. So then after that, we get to our game show parody of meet your second wife where we have uh, three men who are meeting uh, younger and younger wives that they're going to someday marry. Rich, what did you think of Meet Your Second Wife? Um, I, I thought this was the sketch of the night. I thought this was so brilliant. It had such a strong point of view. I liked, as we talked about in the last sketch, that they uh, there's a premise that somehow uh, you know Tina and Amy's characters know the future, but we don't have to explain why or how. We're just taking it as a given because it was so cleanly set up. And uh, again, you know, I am such a big person to want to call out the 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 job of the straight man or the straight person in a scene. And this sketch as funny as the writing was, as funny as the premise was, as funny as the little girls were, it doesn't work without Bobby and uh, Taryn and Keenan's reactions to what's going on. Bobby's reaction when the eighth grader walks out was so perfect. It was perfect, Bobby. Uh, and, and just some of the jokes were really funny. So I thought beginning to end, this was really, really solid. I thought it was really, really great. 
So what did you think of the, did it have the thing that you mentioned last week with the, oh no, don't do this to Leslie Jones. Yeah, I thought that, I, again, we, uh, you know, we didn't, I, I it wasn't, I, the, oh, the Leslie Jones piece was a little bit predictable, like that, oh no, you don't kind of thing, but they didn't, I'm glad that they didn't make that a big piece. I'm glad that the gen, Leslie Jones wasn't the twist here. It was just okay and she's the third wife and this is her reaction and that was that so i did worry a little bit like oh we're going to start gilding the lily with the leslie jones piece and they didn't i thought it was she it, it, it all worked very well here yeah one of my favorite pieces of this was the 80 bryant thing where we find out <laughs> that she's going to die in a kayak accident and then the prize that they win on the game show was a kayak yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, but it's so fun yeah <laughs> i would love it. to know who wrote this i would be surprised if tina fey wasn't also uh wasn't didn't have a hand in writing this even the little touches of when they introduce it tina and amy introduce themselves and they say i'm helen walsh and i'm tina fey dumb joke and it makes me laugh every time that uh, that she's playing herself so uh i thought it was really funny um you know and even bobby's reaction when he's like i don't understand i love my wife and she starts walking out oh your novel's gonna be a surprise hit it's even gonna get optioned as a movie and bobby's like oh okay yeah yeah i get that i thought that was really funny um a couple of lines i thought uh when i think it was uh 80 says like i thought this was a home makeover show and tina says in a way it is i thought that was great yeah. um and Keenan, when the woman's coming out and he starts going, please don't be white. Please don't be white. Don't be white. Don't be white. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. And uh, and the whole turn of the like I always said, like like we're talking about, like, how do you take a thing like this and build it? And it's like, oh, they're getting younger. They're getting younger. That's the turn. OK. And then Cecily Strong comes out and is like, oh, they're actually mixing it up. It's not a, it's not even an even younger person. Uh, and then, you know, to find out that it's actually the fetus that he's got. Just so good. Very fun. So this was great. Really yeah. great. Despite audio issues, uh, this, this apparently this this was just really great. Yeah. What were the audio issues? So as uh, as Mickey was just saying and and uh, uh, Mark was saying in the chat room, apparently on the East Coast feed, which I did not see, there was a technical issue where at the beginning where the pre-tape announcer is supposed to explain the show uh, there, uh, it actually was like uh, like something about like the from the, the opening credits or something. So they had to just bail on it. And then Tina and Amy sort of opened the show in the West Coast feed. They fixed it. So it was the appropriate pre-tape and then it all went fine. Yeah. I also liked the line that was when uh, Taryn was talking about how they're telling him how his second wife is, is going to be his daughter's roommate. And yeah. he's like, well, <laughs> so then my daughter and her friend will get to stay close. And they're just like, yeah, oh, yeah, this, she'll really love it. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was really funny. Yeah. So all, all I just thought this was really great. Very cutting, very sort of telling. I, I thought it was just really, really solid. Do you think this is something that could potentially return? I mean, I hope not, because, again, this is the, the premise, you know, again, all the execution is great and the comedy is great. But the star of this sketch is the premise. And to do it again, you'd be rehashing the same premise. So unless you do like meet your second husband mm -hmm. and there's some really well thought out commentary on what kind of, you know, men, women marry as their second husband or something, uh, it would just be Mad Libs at that point. And we God knows SNL loves the Mad Libs when they need it. Um, I also would bet that I would suspect it depends on who wrote it. If Tina Fey, if it was her idea, I think general SNL etiquette is they would not bring it back when she's not there to help write it. Uh, Mark in the chat room wants to know, was there some backlash against this sketch being inappropriate? Did you see anything like that? You know, I was very unplugged from the Internet the last two days, uh, so I don't know. Um, I know there was a weekend update joke that I think got a decent amount of backlash. And we're going to talk about uh, even in the chat room. Uh, it's sort of already come up, which we'll talk about. Um, so I don't know. Uh, you know, it seems ridiculous, too, because I thought this was I mean, if this sketch wasn't written by a woman or, or, or spearheaded by a woman, I'd be gobsmacked because I thought it was so brilliantly, you know, written from that point of view, which I thought was great. By any chance, is Will Arnett dating a younger woman right th these days? I would bet, although, I mean, Amy's dating a, a fairly younger guy. So oh, okay. I don't know if it's that. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows how old Nick Kroll is. I don't know. Uh, I actually haven't looked at his age, but I'm sure we could find out. All right. So let's talk about the uh, commercial sketch, which was for these hoverboards that everybody is talking about. 
Rich, I know I've seen you all over the place on your hoverboard. I barely walk anymore. I mean, that's my go-to. That's my go-to device. Um, yeah, I didn't love this. I thought that it was topical. I thought, you know, it was a cute idea. Definitely uh, well-produced and a couple of funny, good moments. Um, but I, I just found myself uh, uh, sort of tuning out. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I really did. Uh, you know, these things are going into uh, flames left and right, at least according to uh, the Internet. And they're also... Uh, you know, uh, they became like uh, super hot, no pun intended, very, very quickly. So while I don't know if we uh, like uh, really set the world on fire again, not intended, I really feel like that uh, it was fun, but probably uh, not something that we'll remember in, you know, two months. Yeah, I agree. I, I liked that it was topical. I like the energy they brought to it. Um, uh, again, I call it Mark as a, it was no happy fun ball. I agree. As commercials go for me, and it was no. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on what the thing was last week that I I liked so much. Um, I'm blanking now. The, there was a commercial parody that I thought was really great. Um, so yeah, but it was it was certainly fine and uh, certainly had its moments. So uh, I, nothing to necessarily call out as a problem. Just maybe wasn't uh, my favorite. All right, Rich. Then let's talk about the making of some like 1940s historical drama about the uh, the two women uh, played by Amy and Tina who are lesbians and they're having this uh, dramatic scene. And then uh, we have Keenan as the acting coach that tells them they need to be more like the Jeffersons. So I think we all remember sleeping through this when Chris Helmsworth uh, hosted in March of last season. Um who thought, you know what, needs to come back is this sketch. Keenan. Uh, uh, I'm guessing Keenan. Um, uh, yeah, I and I will even say I think this uh, worked less well than the first time. Um, everyone knows what a big Amy fan I am. So understand that when I say, you know, you play people to her strengths, uh, to their strengths. And this was not one of those moments. I thought that uh, her ability, when she had to do the big reaction, it felt, it almost felt like she was trying to do a character who's bad at a big reaction. And then I realized, no, Amy's either not good at it or not committing to it. Uh, And it felt very like, I felt awkward watching it because it felt awkward on the stage. Tina was probably better then, um, but overall, I was just wanted this to be over. I, yeah. uh, not that it was bad, but uh, I just it, it just it wasn't bringing anything to the table for me. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I was uh, you know getting ready, uh, looking at my watch. Uh, couldn't wait for this to be over. I mean, for Jefferson's references, I mean, we are really where it's like. I'm like trying to really like, uh, yeah, I guess I remember that 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 was happening on the Jeffersons. I mean, is anybody younger than 40 getting the jokes in this scene? Yeah, I mean, they're just I feel like they're just using it as the launching point for the crazy overacting. I think to remember the Sherman Hemsley performances is a reach even for people who watched the show back in the day. So it feel like uh, it was it was a I just thought really, really rough. The stretch as a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Bruce and the E Street Band. This is performance number one. What was this song, Rich? Uh, so this song was, and by the way, is if you think I'm a big uh, expert, suddenly Mark helped me out with this. Uh, Meet me in the city, which was so. Uh, so as Mark explained to me, the context is uh, Bruce and the band just released a huge box set from his uh, 1980 album, The River. Uh, so they're they're out promoting that, and this song was a song that was an unreleased song. It was an outtake for that original album that was not actually. Uh, it was never released, uh, and as Mark told me, it's probably the first time this was ever performed live okay Uh, so and i and i will say i'm a springsteen fan i am not a diehard springsteen fan i thought this song was great i loved it um the a street band for people who don't know is now up to 74 members um there was i think i think about uh, i think they had to actually open the back of the stage up to fit the rest of the band on um i think what's going on mark didn't confirm this that bruce and patty now rescue homeless musicians oh wow and yeah it's really nice they spayed them they neuter them and they let them be part of the band so they just keep adding and adding and adding that's very Um, noble 
Yeah. And, uh, and I did, Mark also told me, which was great is the new saxophone player. I thought it was the young guy from LMFAO. It turns out, no, it is actually uh, Clarence Clemens, nephew, Jake Clemens. Oh, and, and by the way, how great is he? I mean, I thought whoever this guy is, is great, but to know that it's the big man's nephew, I thought was fantastic. Um, so I thought it was great. They did a really good job. Uh, I liked the song a lot. Surprised that it wasn't uh, released before. Uh, and, and I thought a really great way to go in. I felt Bruce uh, getting a little tired towards the end of the oh, song. No. Um, I was running out of steam a little bit, but I thought, I mean, this guy puts on three hour shows. Uh, the, you know, it must just be me. Uh, Mark confirmed it was a little um, notable that uh, he and Stevie Ray Vaughan were, were really sort of running out of running out of gas towards the end. But uh, I thought a great first song, great energy, really sort of uh, kicked that off well. Has Bruce been a musical guest on SNL before? Yeah. So again, Mark had the, had this for me. Uh, he was uh, on in 1992 on his own and then came back in 2002, which I do remember. It is odd that uh, that he has not been on more. Uh, the other thing that I'll point out here that uh, that. Uh, uh, oh, Mark saying Stevie Van Zandt. I don't know what I said. Sorry. Um, I think you might have said Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, of course I did. I'm an idiot. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Uh, is that, and I, I, I didn't think of this till afterwards. It was very surprising that Bruce did not do a cameo in one of the sketches, especially given that he's had a lot of fun on Jimmy Fallon uh, and other pieces. He's definitely up for doing shtick. So it was surprising that, and I have to imagine that the cast wanted, especially given their reaction at the end of the night, uh, that they wanted Bruce to do something. I'm surprised that he did not. And uh, Mark called that out and I, I completely agree with it all right well let's talk about weekend up actually you want to talk about the second springsteen usually uh with james we talk about we'll we'll talk about the second and then we'll talk about the third piece at the end uh so the third song i had heard before it's called the ties that bind uh mark told me it's the first song from the river album which is the box set that's being released um i thought this was a, a a good song but i did feel it felt very earnest um, it felt very serious. It did not feel like a great SNL song. Um, as as uh, Mark and I were chatting at it, an ungodly hour um, uh, Saturday night uh, after the show. Uh, uh, you know, as, as I've said before, SNL is at its best when it's a 90 minute party. The first song and the end of the night felt like a party. This felt like a party buzzkill. 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 That said, they did it fantastic. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very good song, uh, but it just felt, it felt like, oh, we're for a comedy show to stop and do a very earnest song, uh, really sort of brought us down. Um, I, and I'm obviously interested in what the Bruce fans are saying, uh, in the chat room and stuff about the version of the song. I, I guess I think Bruce fans did not like this performance as much as I did, but it felt out of place, uh, for me. Wow. Yeah. Is there a big Bruce fan social media contingent? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Mark is saying uh, that there are many fun party songs on that album, The River, that he wishes that they went to, uh, which I think he was saying Out in the Street, a song I don't know, and uh, Hungry Heart, which uh, would have probably been a much more up kind of song. So what do we know? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the final closing number, which, uh, as you uh, predicted a couple of weeks ago on the show, yes. Uh, and been saying actually for the last couple of shows, you were hoping that this is what they were going to do. And you got your Christmas wish early, Rich. Yeah. And I feel like I'll end up sort of more to talking about the good nights than the performance per se. But this was exactly what I had hoped for this. You know, the Bruce Springsteen Santa Claus is coming to town as an anthem. Uh, Mark told me it was originally the, the recorded version that we all know from the radio was recorded at CW Post in Long Island oh. in ni- 1975. That's how long ago this was. And according to Marcus, I asked, uh, this is sort of in the rotation for Bruce when he's doing shows uh, during the holiday season. And, um, you know, and the, I love this song. I love this version of the song. But this night, the song was the backdrop to the cast members reaction to being up on stage and singing and dancing with Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I thought it was so fantastic. I could I, when I watched it the second time, I basically just watched Vanessa Bayer. She was so ecstatic. I actually thought she was on ecstasy. The first oh. 
like and and obviously she was not uh well you don't know that yeah she didn't seem like she was she was just so happy she was happy does not even come close to represent how full of joy and ecstasy she looked um pete davidson who is so young i think bruce's guitar is older than him uh was just having the best time bobby was in the back and just going crazy um just having such a great time uh bruce uh, paul mccartney who was there uh jumped on stage i'm guessing lauren pushed him up at the last minute i know that bruce knew that paul was there because pictures from twitter that leslie jones and a couple of the other people posted we saw that they were together before the show so they knew each other was there but certainly didn't sort of jump up uh didn't expect to be jump jumping up so what how does that happen that paul mccartney is just he just hangs out at the snl taping with lauren yeah yeah, I've heard that a, a number of times. So that, that's that's a fairly common thing. There's a couple of people who you'll see around. And if you see some of the pictures from backstage, it was like Gina Gershon was backstage. Danny DeVito was backstage. Uh, a couple of people that was just like, what? Like it was, uh, I think, especially Lauren's crowd. But I think especially on a Christmas episode, a lot of people just hanging out backstage. And I think that Paul was there. And I think that he was just sort of pushed, like, just go up, go up. Uh, what was interesting that we were talking about today is it did seem odd my wife jen really called this out that that bruce never acknowledged paul mccartney he didn't even at one point steven van zant was trying to uh get his like get bruce's attention like uh one of the beatles is with you and he seemed to either purposely ignore it or just be in a zone and didn't sort of call it out which was very odd um but that said so much fun uh the cast having a great time you know people like michael che couldn't give an f about bruce springsteen and uh and it was very obvious but uh you know but for the most part it was very fun uh i think the audio someone may know better than me i think it was a, a big missed thing in the audio was that the mic didn't seem to be on when he threw it to keenan to do the classic clarence clemens part uh and so it was it was heard but it was very very lost mm-hmm. um i don't know what they thought but uh it was uh that was sort of missed but what a great way to end the show it was the party that i was hoping the whole show would be uh great great way to end the show yeah really really uh fun stuff at the end of the show so a little bit of yeah. a of a preview of the uh of the good nights for sort of doing things a little bit out of order because it's all things uh bruce right now yes exactly all right so let's jump into talking about uh the weekend update and uh we only have uh one person uh pop by here for weekend update and uh, we're going to have Kate McKinnon join us and then uh, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey at the end. But overall, what did you think of Weekend Update? Ooh, oh, Santa came early. Instead of leaving me cold, he left an oh boy in my stocking. This was tough. Um, uh, I thought this was really, uh, t- I mean, I think there were some fun jokes here. Um, I think that, uh, I-, I think that the opening was really good energy, but overall, I thought this was, uh, really tough so on the jokes piece i thought it was light it was really kind of a miss i thought that uh um not having jebediah atkinson show up not having riblet show up not having a big cameo piece uh was a real miss i thought it was really tough um and then uh you know i'm a huge kate mckinnon fan i am a huge kate mckinnon on a weekend update but this piece about uh someone's mom Didi, if you want to jump into this this felt like this was written in 2002. Um, it felt so dated, soap opera. It was evergreen. Yeah, I mean, soap operas feel so... Uh, I know that there are still some soap operas on, but I even feel like this character would need to be so old to for this to be relevant i love the idea that you know certainly i can identify with having parents that don't know any character's name on their favorite shows but uh to go to soap operas felt so hard for me um uh as mark joked with me sarah knight is saying here the classic lorne line why now uh and that's absolutely how this felt um i found way more enjoyment with the tupperware container of fish oh, i think everybody any did. lines I, I thought that and, and everything about that that was because that was just felt like 
of 2015, uh, this the, the rest of this I thought was sort of a pass from me. <laughs> when they said the best stuff about this is like uh, I like the you, the scales and then the gray stuff at the bottom. I think yeah, that was very funny. I, I totally agree with what Go Two Recaps is saying. Is saying it would have been funnier to use a current show like Empire. I absolutely agree with you. If they had done, hey, here's Dee Dee and her favorite even if it was madam secretary or empire something current it's my favorite show and then we find out she doesn't know the name of any character on the show that would have brought more life to it and would have been just as funny if not funnier so i think that's a great call out so rich you said there was a joke that was generating a lot of controversy from weekend update yeah, I don't remember the exact line, but there was a joke about uh, about a Christmas tree going up uh, in flames, and then uh, the suspect uh, they cut to a menorah, and I think it was Game of Thrones recaps who was saying in Twitter was asked was saying that found it a little uh, you know a little offensive. Um, uh, I thought it was a cute joke. I thought you know what you know if you're going to be able to make jokes, you know this is another area you know it, it you know. I don't know. It didn't bother me. I thought it was a, I didn't think it was the most hilarious joke, but I thought it was a very light uh, joke for me. Uh, I certainly uh, didn't find it offensive. Uh, I can see that maybe some people did. Um, I think, you know, if you want to be able to sort of make jokes, you have to be able to take jokes. So I felt like this was sort of in the family. So then Tina Fey and Amy Poehler show up for the last two jokes of 2015 on Weekend Update. But Rich, was this worth it to bring out Amy and Tina for two jokes? This felt like they were fulfilling a contractual obligation or it was like they had to actually show up to the uh, to a to a work site for their no show jobs at the dock that they got through with a mob. Uh, it was it was so bizarre. Steven to me. Van Zandt was there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this felt so ridiculous to even to the point where they're dressed and Amy's I'm sorry, Tina's got her glasses on that she wore for her entire run of doing update to tell two jokes that by the way were funny but not funny enough that i should write them down there was nothing special about them it felt such like a throwaway tin i mean i was like well obviously this is going to turn into really with tina and amy we're we're not really just going to have them do the last two jokes it felt completely um I want to use the word dismissive. That's probably not fair. Um, but it felt, it felt like kind of a boy when, uh, to just have these heavyweights come out and do this and then, and then call it a night felt, I, I would rather have not seen them at all. I, I don't know why we, I would just bring Riblet out at that point there. There's th this did nothing. And it was just like, Oh, right. Other people are really good at telling jokes on Weekend Update and we're out. So I, I found it very disappointing. So what did you think it was that they just don't want to make the comparison between Tina and Amy and Colin and Michael that they feel like if you show them too much, Amy and Tina, that you're going to say, oh, yeah, they were really good. Like uh, Weekend Update is not that good with these guys. I, you know, it's a great question. We don't know. My opinion is no, because I feel like in the past we've had the weekend update joke off. We've had, you know, generally when they come back, they will do this. My guess is Tina and Amy didn't want to do it. They didn't want to come back and do weekend update for whatever reason or a bit was written for them like a really with Tina and Amy, and they were not happy with the with the comedic content and they probably wanted to bail out. And the powers that be Higgins and Downey and, and Lauren said, no, you have to show up on weekend update. And they just took two sketches that two, uh, two jokes that were written for them and was given it to them. I think it was more, they didn't want to do it or they didn't want to do what was given to them as opposed to the powers that be didn't want, the comparison, which was obvious, but if they had done something like really, it wouldn't have been such a direct comparison because that's not what jo Jost and Shay do at this point. Because Tina Fey has already appeared on Weekend Update this season during the Tracy yep. Morgan episode. It just seems so odd that they would say at this point, I'm like, no, no, we're not doing it. We don't want to do it. Or the material isn't good enough for us. You would feel like that they would say on the week that they were hosting, OK, what well, let's what's the bit that we're going to do on Update? 
I, I agree, uh, you know, but I do wonder, you know, looking at the lack of reoccurring characters on this episode, um, I do wonder if they were a little bit more particular about what they were doing and or they were not doing. And hey, it's also possible that they had a bit that they were super ex- so excited about. Uh, and then at the dress rehearsal, it just bombed. I mean, that that can happen. And it could have been a last minute replacement. So uh, I'm not sure. All right, let's talk about the next sketch that's on after update. And it was sort of like this time life uh, retrospective DVD going back to some made up variety show from the 70s. And we flash back to a couple of scenes from that. Rich, what was your take on this one? Well, so basically we're watching three mini sketches wrapped up in a in a wraparound piece. Uh, the wraparound piece was fine. Taryn and Vanessa did a, a nice enough job. No, nothing of note here. Uh, the first, you know, the notable sort of mini sketch is a basically a monologue by uh, Lola Fabre, which is we have our first cameo, a real only real cameo of the night. Uh, Maya Rudolph shows up to do uh, this character. I don't remember whether she she's done this character before she's absolutely done this kind of character Mm -hmm. before, but I didn't have enough time to check, uh, to check to see if it was done before. Um, uh, and I thought that she just killed it. I thought this was super fun, great energy, great performance, really sort of rolled it around, uh, you know, and, and, and had a lot of fun, uh, bummer to not see her reacting with other cast members, but her with the kids ultimately ending up where she's actually wearing Santa's bag over her head. I just, I, that piece I loved, I thought it was really, really funny. Okay. Then part two was Amy Poehler as a coked out disco queen. Yeah, this felt like we've got a great beginning. We've got a really fun end. We need something in the middle. What's the meat of the sandwich? And uh, this this felt like a throwaway. It didn't make a lot of sense. I don't know that this was Amy's uh, most comedic performance she's ever done. So it felt like filler to me. Yeah. It did seem odd that they talked about, oh, you know, she really likes snow. You mean cocaine? And then like yeah. the sketch, like she was on cocaine. And in the sketch she was doing, she was like taking a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And then also like, I didn't understand why would she be <laughs> vacuuming cocaine into a vacuum filter? It didn't, even in like, the comedic it, premise didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. It was very uh, odd. Yeah. And then, oh, we had the final bit, uh, which was again, another uh, Bill Cosby joke. Uh, this time, uh, Keenan is Bill Cosby singing the baby. It's cold out side uh which is uh you know it's when when that song comes up now it's uh you know bill cosby is uh top of mind yeah i mean you know and when it started uh it's like you know the the making fun of the classic song baby it's cold outside as effectively rape or some version of that is now a very tired trope. No one did, did it better than Key and Peele. Uh, we've done it on SNL with Jimmy Fallon. I mean, we, we've played every angle of this to death. But that said, if you got Keenan to do Bill Cosby, go ahead and take the shot. It absolutely made me laugh. Nothing predict, uh, nothing unpredictable about it, but just, I'm it just a great, if this had gone on 30 seconds longer, it would have been too much. Uh, I thought they just did a nice job, just sort of hitting it, just the nice slap, you know, the, the now uh, obligatory Christmas joke you have to make and then you're out. Yeah. That was very fun. And Keenan, and once again, uh, yeah, the, we talked about it during the 40 year anniversary special, uh, during the celebrity Jeopardy thing, uh, when Keenan <laughs> Keenan shows up as Bill Cosby in that, and we talked about like, is Keenan gonna do uh, Bill Cosby jokes because uh, there was a relationship there? But yeah, Keenan seems up for it. Yeah, yeah, and I thought again, if you're gonna if you're gonna really hit hard, this is the time, this is the place. And what I liked is a couple of funny lines, and we get it. We don't need to hit it any harder, and we're out. So I certainly uh, I appreciated that. Okay, Rich. So we're going to have sort of a musical number or music video, which we've seen a lot on SNL these last couple seasons where the women of SNL are getting together. This time it's Tina and Amy. They're being interviewed by A.D. Bryant and they go into a song called The Dope Squad, talking about their team of people that help them out. Yeah. So I will say, uh, I think very similar to the Nes- uh, the Nespresso commercial with George Clooney and Danny DeVito from uh, the Ryan Gosling episode. This is one of those I did not I had never seen the Taylor Swift video. Um, I found this to be very boring. 
Um, I got the premise early on of, okay, it's a parody of something. I think I kind of figured it was Taylor Swift because of the whole squad metaphor. I liked that they put their real nannies in it. And then I was completely bored. Um, I heard from a lot of people who knew the Taylor Swift video that it was funny. I watched the Taylor Swift video and then going back and watching it again, I saw what they found uh, funny. I, I saw how much they were making fun of it. I, I will say maybe if I had seen it, if I had known of the Taylor Swift video, when I watched this, it would have been funnier to me. Um, I will say that video came out in May. So we're seven months ago. We've already done a joke about the Taylor Swift squad getting in the squad earlier in the season. I feel like we've done a good amount of Taylor Swift jokes and Taylor Swift's being in her posse uh, through the season. So this felt like a fun idea but dated and it never built for me uh, other than just sort of doing shot for shot kind of reenactments. Uh, once you get that their squad is nanny and gynecologist and other actual real world people, uh, it didn't build to anything. Gail King, um, Gail King did not do anything for me. Uh, I felt like the Amy, Sch- Amy Schumer piece was nice uh, and definitely brought some life to it, but I felt like it was as shoehorned in as they portrayed it to be. Uh, once you got the sense like she owes me a favor, uh, I felt like they were sort of struggling to do something with this. So um, maybe Taylor Swift fans disagree, and that's fine for me. Uh, I was not surprised to see this big of a number with this much production value and uh, cameos show up this late in the show because I, for me, it didn't deliver. Do you feel like this was scheduled to be earlier in the show? Yeah, I mean, you've got Amy Schumer, one of the hottest people in the world in it. Whoa. You've got the, you've, I mean, you've got the big budget music video. You've got a shot for shot reenactment of, or, you know, uh, you know, basically shot for shot reenactment of, uh, someone, you know, of a, of a major song of a major star. You've got all the earmarkings of this coming after the monologue. The, you, you would think, or maybe music video, maybe you're not going to see after the monologue. Maybe you see it after the first live sketch, but, uh, certainly before a weekend update. All right. I think this gets the uh, dreaded more fun than funny tag. I totally agree. More fun than funny. Yes, absolutely. So, Rich, then the last live sketch of the night is the return of Bronx Beat. Of course, uh, we have uh, Maya Rudolph back with Amy Poehler. Uh, We have Tina Fey as the guest here. 12.55 for Bronx Beat. Something seems uh, a bit askew. Yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, you know, I I had hoped and predicted we would see Bronx Beat last week without knowing Maya Rudolph was going to come back Um, again, as we talked about on Twitter. It's a simple rule of cameos. This is not nearly as fun because Maya Rudolph has already appeared in the chatted Mrs. Douglas show. Why would you not flip these? Do Bronx Beat coming out of Weekend Update get the huge reaction of a great sketch coming back with an alumni showing up? And then Maya wants to do the piece in the Mrs. Douglas show later. We'll all enjoy and laugh. Um, but I thought uh, I, I just love the two of them. Uh, I, I thought the two of them are very funny. Um, I think maybe this was earlier in the show and it didn't resonate with the audience. And my thinking is because this is not Tina Fey's fault, but once you brought Tina Fey's character into it and the uh, the Philly impression with the Bronx impressions, I thought it really lost a lot of steam and kind of, I don't want to say ground to a halt, but it lost all of the energy that we normally get when uh, when you when they often bring out a young, hunky guy for the two women to react on. They don't always do that. We've had Katy Perry. We've had other people. Um, but I think that's when it works best. And I think Tina, no fault of her, uh, didn't really uh, work for me as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, I didn't really think about sort of the way that they construct the Bronx beat. And even with the Katy Perry thing, I remember they were talking about Katy Perry's chest the entire time. It was sort of like that they had something to sort of obsess about, which was probably more interesting than an accent. And I feel like that for me, the Bronx beat, I thought it was very fun. The first half when they were talking about the Star Wars, Uh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, I really did. I enjoyed all of that. And then yeah. I thought it had a dark turn at the end where it turned out that uh, Maya Rudolph's character was pregnant. Well, it was also an odd choice, very unessential to go to a plot point for a sketch that is now going on 10 years old and not going to be seen anytime soon. Uh, so it was an odd, as soon as she didn't want the eggnog, I went, Oh, are they going to do a thing where Maya's character is, is pregnant? Like, 
why would we possibly care about that unless there's a big joke there? So it was an odd turn structurally if this was mid you know, mid run of Amy and, and Maya being cast members, you go, okay, well, we're sort of building something. Um, the, the, the piece that just works on this is just the interplay of the two of them back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And just their energy and the, and the accents and the writing uh, was just so fun. So that piece of it, I thought again, and again, for 1255, this is a home run. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're, you know, to get a nice piece of business, even if it was only half funny, half okay at 12.55, I'll take it. That was great. What, are they going to make her pregnant now? So dumb. So dumb. So dumb. Okay, Rich, we talked about the goodbyes. Anything else big picture about this episode? Uh, No, Maya Rudolph came out for the goodbyes, obviously because she heard our podcast (laughs) last week and thought, I'm I'm very exhausted, but you know what? I don't need freaking Tackenberg on my ass on an SNL podcast, so I better go out with Bruce. Um, No, just just like, how fun is it? Even if you're freaking the new guy, John Reninsky, who's, you know, just trying to make his bones on the show, you're hanging out with Bruce Springsteen on stage, dancing and singing. Like, like, how great is that? Like, just just a great way to end the show. Great energy. Great way to end our sort of mid-season finale. Uh, I like that they let it run, at least on the West Coast. It ran all the way to almost the last line of the song. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was fun. Uh, Mark, I forgot to mention, Mark called this out. Like Daryl Hammond uh, sort of standing there as the curmudgeon, bringing the same spark and excitement he does to the intros, uh, sort of uh, almost not wanting to be there, uh, which was odd. But for the most part, the cast was having a great time. And it's that's what funny. you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rich. So that's it for Amy Poehler and Tina Fey SNL here tonight. So next week or the next time we're live, I believe it's like January 16th, Adam Driver, uh, who's in the new Star Wars movie and was in Girls, uh, that he is the host. Are you excited for that one? I will. I mean, I think that's I don't they put the date up. Yeah, the 16th or the 19th or something like that. Yeah. Kylo Ren coming to uh, coming to the 8H will be fun. Um, I think it's not uh, so much of a stretch to say that we might have a Daisy Ridley, uh, you know, and uh, John Boyega uh, cameo. They've already been on SNL in a pre-taped mm-hmm. bit early, earlier this season. Uh, and I think as two complete unknowns who are suddenly, you know, two biggest movie stars in the world for this minute, I think it's absolutely acceptable uh, to expect them to show up in a cameo um i think lena dunham i absolutely could see her showing up for a cameo uh so uh you know so i I think that could be a fun episode i think there's a lot you can do with him any other 2016 predictions i believe he's the only person that was named as a uh potential host uh for uh they like they didn't announce any other host for january yet right Correct. And they also did announce the musical guest for that episode, which is not uh, not unprecedented. I'm just taking a quick look is now the anal retentive SNL fan. me. you're right. The 16th. Um, yeah. So they have not said who the musical guest is going to be. So, uh, yeah, I haven't sort of looked to see sort of what's coming. Um, I feel like we're really due for a sports uh, celebrity to show up. I, I feel like that's where we're we've been sort of lacking uh, this season is uh, we haven't seen a sports personality show up. And again, if you're going to ask me who the, who is a sports person that makes sense to show up you're asking the wrong person but yeah, it's uh, kind I, of a I tough did. time i feel like that the uh the nfl playoffs are going to still be going on there's basketball is the regular season i mean unless there's like a baseball player but i don't think that there's anybody that really comes to mind yeah i mean yeah maybe some some uh, you know, nfl mvp you know post uh you know uh you know once we pass the super bowl in february i could see that um maybe they try to go young and do a uh um do a ronda rousey is that her name Wow. UFC person, uh, they go with that. Uh, uh, they're saying in the chat room, I'm seeing a John Cena that would make a lot of sense. Um, and Taylor Swift, uh, it is odd that I, at this point, uh, again, Mark and I chatted about this previously, I could absolutely see uh, Taylor Swift show up as the guest, not musical guest, and want to just be there to do comedy. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. Rich, could we potentially see a uh, Bob Odenkirk host? I bet not. I, I like the idea. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I don't know that Better I call see him. Saul season two is going to be coming back in, uh, I think, February. I just don't know that the NBC brass would give a thumbs up to Bob Odenkirk hosting. Certainly comedy nerds would love to see him, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I see him uh, getting that nod. Why? Because he's done other sketch stuff? He's not a big enough name. He's not a promotable name. Nobody who was going to... Uh, 
nobody who was not going to watch Saturday Night Live is going to turn on Saturday Night Live because Bob Odenkirk is hosting. Wow. Uh, I, I, which I, I didn't think know is, that is, that was that big of a factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I think the I think NBC has a lot to I mean, they say whatever. I, I, my perception is that NBC has a lot to say with who gets booked and who they feel is promotable and who's going to bring an audience audience to the show. OK. All right. Well, we'll see. Coming up. Yeah. In uh, 2016, Rich, any final thoughts, any SNL resolutions you want to give out? Uh, I, you know, I'm going to be more positive coming into January. I'm going to, oh. you know, I, I, I'd like to see less of uh, boys. I really want to, uh, you know, step it up. And I'd like to, you know, there's just a few. This is what I would say to the to the show is comedy is hard. I can never knock a sketch that had the best intentions and didn't deliver. I can't write better, but there's certain tenants of the show that have nothing to do with the comedy itself that come on guys, let's get back to basics. Let's get back to the, to the blocking and the tackling. Let's get the cold open, right? Let's get the, you know, let's get the rule of cameos in play. Let's, let's really, let's, let's at least tackle the easy stuff. And then the comedy will be what the comedy will be. Okay. All right. Well, fun stuff, Rich. Uh, and thanks so much to uh, Mark, who did a great job with all of the uh, Bruce Springsteen stuff. Uh, you were definitely on your game uh, tonight mm. and uh, very fun stuff all around. Looking forward to getting back into it next season. Of course, you can follow Rich on Twitter. He is at Rich Tack. And of course, uh, you can subscribe for more on Poster Recaps at posterrecaps.com slash iTunes or for SNL only, posterrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Rich, anything else? No, we're off for about a month. So uh, have a good holiday, everybody. And uh, we'll see everybody in a, in a month's time for more SNL. Rich, you want to take us out with Santa Claus is coming to town? <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. That's a, that'll be a real buzzkill. Everyone in the chat room will be the Daryl Hammond of uh, Saturday night if I'm singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye.